0: Good morning and welcome, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is positively different radio in the morning, the breakfast show, and you are with Lyle and
1: Mon. How's it going, Lyle?
0: Going great, Mon. How are you getting over your sunburn?
1: Yeah, I'm getting. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been pretty interesting because yes. I hear
0: that I hear that sunburn gives you flu.
1: Yeah.
0: You catch a cold from sunburn.
1: Well, kind of. I mean, well, yeah, well.
0: <laughs> our Mon- listeners will hear about Mon- that later in the Mon show. catches a cold every time she gets sunburned. It's terrible, it really That's is. interesting to uh correlation between those two. But
1: actually, it's kind of funny because like the sunburn had not really red, right? And yesterday, I had to go to the doctors and get my vaccinations for our Africa trip. Mm-hmm. And so, I got... Uh, today, you can't lift your arms? Today, I can't lift my arms. I got Hep A and Hep B in my left arm and... Yellow fever in my right arm um, <laughs> to think for a moment there. Didn't want to say jungle fever again. And,
0: um, Mon has... we too late for Mon on that. She already has jungle yeah, fever. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's an incurable disease. Anyway, as I'm... Because I keep you there for half an hour to make sure you don't have allergic reaction afterwards. And as I'm sitting there in the clinic, the nurse walks by and she's like, oh my, your feet have turned completely blue. And I looked down and my feet are blue. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I had a good laugh because... They said I was the most colourful patient they ever had. I was like, red up top, blue down the bottom.
0: <laughs> anyway. Oh, yes. That and so much more to listen to on today's breakfast yes,
1: show. Yes, indeed. We will
0: actually talk about some important issues.
1: What are you grateful for? Plums. Plums? Plums. Plums? Plums. Why plums?
0: Why not Plums. Plums are delicious. I mean, I suppose how could, why not. How could
1: you, how could you not be not. grateful for plums? Plums are delicious, if you get the nice ones.
0: My tree is producing mountains of plums this year. Um, usually it produces about 40 litres this year. It's produced 140 litres. And wow. Giving plums away and preserving plums and freezing plums and turning plums into plum sauce and eating plums until I just about look like a plum.
1: That's amazing.
0: But they only last for a month, so I'll get mm.
1: it. Over. Mm. Yeah. I would like some plum sauce, actually. How do you make plum sauce?
0: Uh, you
1: put it in a pot. Is it like the Chinese, the Chinese one, where you stick like all different kinds of um, spices in there? Uh, no, you just put it in the pot and cook it. And it's cook gonna be more it than that. It's sure gonna be like at least sugar in yeah, there. Probably Sounds probably. like a European one that you make.
0: It's um, it has a, quite a bite to it. It's, oh yeah, huh? That's good. Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who makes this? You. <laughs> 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 Something tells me you ain't never cooked a thing in your life, (laughs) Lars. (laughs) I lived
0: on my own for five years. I can survive.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: Survival is a thing. There's a difference between survival and cooking.
1: Stay tuned. We have a great show coming up for you today. Of course, we know this because this is the Big issue about religious liberty happening right now. Yes, massive, massive. Have some good news, have some serious news coming up. Uh, Of course, we have our Africa trip that we will be talking about as well. So stay tuned for info on that. If you would like to come across the live show, feel free. Just download the TuneIn app or go to our website, faithfm.com. The
2: King of Love, my shepherd is Whose goodness fails your house forever Within your house forever
0: Welcome back. That was uh, I Am Day, King of Love, here on Faith FM. Uh, Mon, what have you got for... Uh our first clue oh, for yes. the quiz.
1: Yes, I was thinking, what did you mean? Was it five first? No, that's right. Quiz. Video. quiz. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> A little bit behind the eight ball this morning. I'm too excited about Africa, and my arms are sore as. Okay. <laughs> You're quite
0: in the wars at the moment, aren't you? Mike? I
1: really am. My feet are blue. The rest of me is burning up. My arms are killing me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just just falling apart all over the place. But
1: I still turn up to work, Lyle.
0: That's it. Dedication. <laughs> that's how much we love you guys, our listeners. Uh-huh. Don't ever forget that we. Uh, we we, we just love you guys a lot, so um, yes. Mon, Mon is here, uh, bright red on top, um, yeah, blue, blue feet, fleet and uh, <laughs> can't lift her arms above her head.
1: <laughs> oh, but mouth works. Um, but yeah, but it is true, that's how much we do love you guys, so much so that we're taking you with us to Africa on our various mission trips. I'm um, going to tell you a little bit more about that in a second, but for now, let me give you the first clue for our quiz. I want to make it a little bit easier than yesterday, I reckon. Uh, so this is a Who Am I quiz. And if you can get it before Lyle gets it, I will, of course, send you double prizes. But the first clue is this. I mix the blood of Galileans with sacrifices. Ooh. Do you know who that is, Lyle? Yes. Oh, you do? Write it down if you think you know who it is, Lyle. I don't trust you. <laughs> If you think you know who it is, give us a call. Of course, our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Yes, Lyle has it right. And uh, so we'll be a prize that you can win if you get that correct. Now, I do want to, of course, we we want to remind you guys every day that Lyle and I are going to be going to Africa. So exciting. So we'll be going to... We'll be broadcasting from Kenya, from South Africa, and from Ethiopia. So, pretty pretty excited about all this, and uh, we want you to come with us, of course. So, stay tuned and um, and just be listening. We head off. I think our first broadcast will be in February. I fly out on the end of January 30th of January, and the entire
0: uh, show won't be there until. Uh, March.
1: Yeah, March. Yep. Yeah. So,
0: so Mono will be doing a partial show from Africa.
1: Yep, yeah, from and Kenya. We'll,
0: we'll share that with uh, with Lawson until uh, March, mm-hmm. and then we're just going to take the whole show.
1: Take yeah, the whole show, broadcasting yeah. from Cape Town and from Addis Ababa. <laughs> just that's the capital of Ethiopia for those Addis of you who Ab- don't know. Addis Ababa. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, uh, we'll, we'll be doing we'll be doing mission work. So we're going to be uh, working in conjunction with a uh, a charity called Kenya Health. Just we're going to pop up um clinic that roves around and treats uh impoverished Kenyans basically they'll be I'm really looking forward to the part where we actually go and um minister to a group of people that actually live on a rubbish dump so they live on a tip and uh, and they forage and scavenge for food and, and that's how they survive so we're providing medical aid for those people we are still trying to raise funds to um to purchase medical supplies so things like medications and essentials and um and those kind of things. So if you'd like to donate, give us a call, 1800 Faith FM, or you can just head to kenyahealth.org and there's a little donate tab at the top of the page. This is a really beautiful story that came out of um, Kenya Health actually, Lyle. It's a good news story. Um, one of the things that they give away, that the Kenya Health team gives away during these health clinics, is uh, spectacles, eyeglasses. Um, apparently, they're very, very expensive in Kenya. Yeah, very hard to get hold of. And then even to go to an eye doctor and make sure you get the right ones is quite a bit of a, a task, an expensive task that people can't afford. And so they often take a, over, a, you know, a bag full of eyeglasses, just various eyeglasses, and people can try on different ones and see which ones, you know, fit their needs, and then they can keep them for free. And this one lady last year apparently, she managed to get a pair of these spectacles that, you know, helped her to see again and she started just crying and crying and crying and crying and you know, the the, uh, the organizers came over there giving her a hug and asking, Oh, what well, you know, what's wrong? And she was just just expressing this huge burden of relief. And she said that she'd she'd lost her job because um she could no longer see well enough to thread the needle because she worked um, she worked as a seamstress and she could no longer thread the needle and, uh, and therefore you know, got fired because she, she couldn't do her work. And so now she could see again she was going to be able to get her job back and provide for her family again because she was the main breadwinner. So, yeah, just beautiful stories like that coming out of these ministries that we'll be uh, joining up with. So we would, we would really appreciate that if you're you, you know, are doing your Christmas giving. Christmas is the season for love, the season for generosity. It's coming up. It's around the corner. If you'd like to give to charity, please consider our mission trip. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'd even like to go. If you would, give us a call, 1-800-FaithFM. Let me tell you some other good news, Lyle. Yes, bring it on. This story reminds me of you, actually. This is such a dad story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay.
0: Right. So this guy, right? I'm not so keen on where this story is going. No, 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 no
1: trust me, it's, it's all hilarious. It's all hilarious. This guy, Carl so, Martin.
0: So, so is this? Is, does this, this? Does this mean that I'm hilarious in a good way or a bad way?
1: In a good way. I think you would like it if this story happened to you. I would like this if this happened to me. So this guy called Carl Martin. Right. He he purchased a um like a, a piece of pottery, like a jar kind of a thing, uh, from from a garage sale uh, to use <laughs> to use as a toothbrush holder. And he is an expert on um, on British history, and uh, and he liked the way it looked. It has sort of like this antique look to it. So he bought it home, brought it home, and uh, and put his toothbrush in it and was using it as a toothbrush holder for five years. Right. Mm-hmm. And one day he's uh he goes he goes up to a place called Hanson's Auctioneers. It's an it's an auction house where they auction off antiquities, and uh, <laughs> and he notices there was a jar that was being auctioned off very similar to the one he sticks his toothbrush in and he's like wait, a wait, wait where did you get this to- where did you get from this from a garage sale for garage 5 side? bucks yeah okay. yeah yeah uh-huh, yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. so so he goes home and he gets his toothbrush jar <laughs> takes it to the auction house and gets it evaluated." Turns out it's a 4,000 year old Afghanistan record, like, oh no. <laughs> that's worth that's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousand years yes, old for genuine, like, it's 2,000 years older than Jesus. How crazy, as in, like, when Jesus was on earth. He he's, he's he said he was a bit nervous because I had a few quite a few toothpaste marks on it, and <laughs> I just can't believe this. He's like I you know I'm I'm a, I'm an expert in British history, but I'm not an expert in world history. I just, I'm just so surprised. I don't know what this was doing in the village of Willington in Derbyshire. <laughs> Wouldn't you
0: love to know the story behind that? I mean, where has that, I mean, where has that traveled to and yes. from? And How did it get from
1: Afghanistan it? to England? Yeah. I mean, look at it. It's not that yeah. bad. It's pretty nice. I stick my toothbrush in that. It's a it's like a brown brownish pot. It has like a little a little curved up lip towards the top, and it has like an antelope or something painted on it. It's it looks like cute. an artifact. It does, but it. He should have
0: known. He should have known that maybe this was an artifact. But I guess when you see something in a garage sale for five bucks, you you just, don't pre- think. You just presume that it's a reproduction.
1: Yeah, you don't think um, you don't think like you know thousands and thousands of dollars are just sitting there. If only
0: a, that if only that uh, toothbrush holder could tell stories. I know. Imagine the stories it could tell. You know, <laughs> from four thousand years ago all the way down through until. <laughs> well, <laughs> it would be a bit of a bummer if you'd have knocked it off your um, bathroom shelf
1: and. They broken, reckon it. they reckon it was most likely to be brought back to the UK by wealthy travellers. Actually, I mean, it has to be pretty wealthy to buy a four thousand year old relic. I mean, that's, that's quite a, that's quite an achievement. So yeah, like 1900 BC. It's pretty, it's pretty old.
0: That's, um, that, that that's definitely going I mean, back but, there. This is, this lo- is like, you it know, does
1: look antiquey, but you have to admit, like, if you get head to that corner of the world, you would see a bunch of these fake ones at touristy shops, and it could easily pass as one of those as well. Yeah,
0: and if you get a poor villager, uh, you know, in Afghanistan, you know, tends to be one of those kind of countries who finds an artifact and decides they'll make some money out of it. You know, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were first found, which is the most valuable um, archaeological discovery of all time, mm. they were originally sold by the Bedouin uh, for shoe leather. To a shoemaker. Oh, really? That was what they were originally. It was like, oh, this is some leather. What can we do with it? Where, where can we, you know, you know, where can uh-huh, we make uh-huh. some money out of this? And you can sort of see how it could have been picked up by a villager somewhere. It could be, you know, passed on down through uh, various various chain of of, um, of of sale items, and the person who brought it back. May not have even known its value, or its history, or its you know provenance, or its age, until you know archaeologists have actually had a chance to, to look at it and and uh, more closely and discover what it actually is. Can you imagine article?
1: like all the different artifacts that we've lost because people didn't know they were? Can you imagine if the Dead Sea Scrolls it wasn't discovered what they were and people are out there right now, wearing shoes.
0: Dead, these Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs>
1: made out of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It boggles the mind, doesn't it?
0: Oh, it does. It there does. must have been
1: some that, that fell through the cracks I didn't hit Oh, it an enormous amount. Yeah. Enormous Huge. amount. I probably said the majority of it, to be honest. Yeah. Particularly,
0: particularly before the science of archaeology was discovered, and before the science of archaeology became popular, mm-hmm. you know, because back in the day, whenever you know they dug something up, they just trashed it. And it was like, well, this is useless unless they could actually use it for something. So many um, ancient buildings and monuments were just used as a quarry.
1: Yeah, I mean, you never know. Everyone's looking for the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe it's in some little old lady's backyard, holding a bed of petunias.
0: That's an interesting <laughs> thought. Yeah, <'cause> some, somehow, <laughs> somehow, you know, things that are made out of solid gold.
1: <laughs> Am I, I going a a to of that slightly, green tarnish on it? Slightly
0: different category.
1: Maybe got some of that green tarnish on it. And like gold it doesn't to, tarnish. Doesn't it? Doesn't it get that green stuff on nope. it, though? Is that does, copper?
0: That's, that's that copper and brass tarnish. Gold Maybe is, it's caked in clay. Silver tarnishes even, but gold does not tarnish. Maybe
1: it's caked in clay and it's like, like really, really baked on there, really solidly baked on there, and she just doesn't realize. No,
0: it's in Ethiopia.
1: It's <laughs> Oh, is that why we're going to Ethiopia? Exactly. Oh, the plot begins. <laughs> now you know. We're coming now back now with the Ark know. of the Covenant. <laughs> Lyle and Mon, an Tomb Raiders. North Ethiopia. Oh, here we go. <laughs> anyway, this is Sula. How deep is the Father's love for us? Enjoy.
3: How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He should give His only Son to make a wretched treasure. How great the pain of searing loss! The Father turns His face away. As wounds which my chosen one, bring many sons to glory.
0: With Selah, with How Deep the Father's Love, you're listening to... Sela, Selah, whatever. Every, every yes. single time uh, I've Selah, Sela. It's, it's an E, not an A. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, changing the subject, clue for the quiz.
1: <laughs> Who am I? I said, what is truth? Oh, that should give it away. That's one of the most famous statements in the whole Bible. What is truth, Lyle? What is <laughs> truth, huh? 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 <laughs> Can you answer this guy?
0: Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the... I think, something like
1: that. <laughs> Are you sure? You're I sure? Started, started with such great <laughs> confidence. <laughs> and you petered it out no, no, petered like out. a soul.
0: Ah, uh, dear.
1: If you know the answer to that quiz, give us a call, one 800 Faith fm The prize today is a cookbook. Yum, 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 yum. It's Ooh. called The Best of Vegetarian, month-by-month month recipes, creative vegetarian cooking, yours courtesy of Sanitarium. Ooh. And i got to tell you, these recipes look good. Tropical yeah. carrot cake. Yum. I'll have some of that. Chunky right. vegetable hot pot. Ho, oh, ho, mm-hmm, ho. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Lentil and mushroom. I just had breakfast and my
0: mouth is already watering just at the thought of... Oh, look. Okay. Watch moth. <coughs> there she goes.
1: <laughs> I like that. Oh, look. Watch this? <laughs> <I sneeze. laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I came out of nowhere. Look, Lyle, there's actually a recipe in here for plum sauce. There you go. Crumb tofu cubes with plum sauce. And the plum sauce, well, the plum sauce is, uh, it's plums and garlic, sugar, soy sauce and water. Really? Yeah. I could
0: try putting garlic in it. I've never tried yeah, putting garlic yeah. in plum sauce before. It There's even good. something I, I can't... I love garlic. There's garlic is even, just like the best Garlic thing is on the, the best,
1: yeah. Ooh, at the markets on Sunday where I got sunburned, there was a stall there selling black garlic.
0: This is always going to be known as the markets where you got sunburned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: a reference point. But yeah, they had black, because you and I have had garlic, garlic, and uh-huh. we've had smoked garlic, which we love. Yeah. And now there's black garlic.
0: What's black garlic?
1: I don't know. It's black garlic. I saw a stall. I was going to go back and buy some, but I forgot because by the time the market had ended, I was very miserable and just wanted to go home. It's
0: garlic dipped in charcoal powder powder, maybe.
1: I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's like roasted. In, I don't. I don't know. I, I was going to buy some for you, and I forgot. But there's something in this recipe book that I can't even pronounce. I never heard of corn prioszki. I reckon that might sound Polish. Yes,
0: if you know what that is, then um, maybe give our a producer
1: knows. Do you know what that is, uh, producer Marta. She's gonna shake her. Oh Oh, she She knows what it is. It must be Polish then. Okay, it's something Polish. But it sounds good. It sounds it says it says it has a filling. Anything that has filling is usually pretty good, to be honest. Anything that comes with a filling. But yeah, if you'd like if you'd like to get this book, Best of Vegetarian Month by Month Recipes from Sanitarium, just answer the quiz. one 800
0: 324 843 is our number. And uh you can answer the quiz right there. Okay, moving on to um stories of the day. Uh, they've conducted interviews and research amongst families in Melbourne, families of young men who have been radicalised and travelled to the Middle East to participate in um, ISIS. Oh yeah, just to try and get you know our head around what it is that causes these young men to go down this particular path and how they end up becoming radicalised so that we can you know, do something about it because these are young men who have been born in Australia. They have grown up in Australia. They're essentially Australians. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how does an Australian ever get involved in something Mm -hmm. like that? That's really Mm -hmm. weird and messed up. And what, what they're finding is that it leaves their families absolutely baffled and surprised and shocked. So these are not young men who are coming from radical families. Yeah, this is what the research is bringing out. They are young men who are coming from just your, your average Aussie family uh, with a Middle Eastern background um, and some Middle Eastern heritage, and becoming you know caught up in this whole you know, radical Islam and going off to become suicide bombers and to fight for ISIS and so forth.
1: I do have a theory, but go on. Maybe I'll show my theory in a minute. Okay.
0: So um, top of the list is drug addiction. So they're looking oh, at the uh, okay. at, at the precursors, you know, because they're looking for what are the warning signs. Mm-hmm. Um, second on the list. Is violent video games? I
1: knew it. I knew it. That's where my theory heads. But yeah, go on. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, third on the list is online addiction. Uh huh. Um, fourth on the risk on, on the on the list is risk taking behavior, and then um, socially withdrawn <coughs> and an addiction to YouTube. YouTube? Yes, because this is where, of course, um, ISIS is doing a lot of their recruiting, recruiting or has been doing a lot of their recruiting.
1: How, how is that YouTube can't can't censor that? I know there's a lot of controversy about censorship and blah, 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 but surely they can figure out to censor ISIS recruiting videos. And ISIS, um, they should have figured it out by now, surely.
0: Yeah, well, hey, um, YouTube is one of those places where it's uh, pretty hard to keep on top of everything that is being... Uh, downloaded on a fairly regular basis, there.
1: That's true, but they must have such millions and millions of dollars in revenue that they could afford to hire a team of people to do it.
0: Yeah, and and it's sort of when you look at these, when you look, uh, and they need to realise that that
1: is the future of all social media anyway, platforms. This yeah. is this is true. Yeah,
0: probably a, a a topic that we need to delve into and we need to discuss and have a conversation about. Maybe on another day when we um, can actually do some research and find out. You know, how does this whole system actually work? Mm-hmm. But. Uh, um, yeah. Getting back to this particular story, yeah. Um, I think I think it's interesting that um, you know, a lot of the precursors to um Islamic radicalization exist. You know, there's a lot of if you look down through that list there, you would find that 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 exists amongst a lot of your average Australian young men.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And so, all it is doing is providing an environment within which they can then express, you know, what they have been trained to do, mm-hmm. which means that we're sitting on a ticking time bomb here in Australia because there's a lot of young men who just need radicalisation one direction or another, and they have programmed their minds, their brains, to acts of violence.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, one of the other things that they looked for as, uh, as a path to radicalisation was uh, young men who would go between, uh, would start to go between the extremes of extreme partying, mm-hmm. followed by extreme religion, Almost oh, like yes. the poison and yeah. the antidote flipping mm-hmm. backwards and mm-hmm. forwards, um, and that they were typically um, your, your typical young person who was being radicalised was online obsessive and vulnerable. Yep. And then they looked at the material that was being used to actually recruit them, um, and top of the list of that was by crea- was to create a sense of injustice. Yep. And so they would show these are your people. Um, these are children of your families and here are their bodies spread all over the place and these have been killed by, you know, and of course there's no evidence as to who killed them, whether it was, um, you know, other Muslims who killed them, which we know it is, you know, in Mm -hmm, Syria, mm -hmm. uh, most of the case, or whether it was the people there themselves who did that or whether it was, you know, American bombs or Russian bombs or somebody else's bombs who did it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, first of all, they inspire a sense of injustice and then then they inspire a sense of not belonging. You know, so they're, they're, they're reaching out to, to Western young men and saying, look, you don't belong. The whole world is against you. Your whole nation is against you. Everybody hates you. They don't want to have it. You, you're not accepted. Uh, and, and it reinforces and drills this kind of a concept into their mind mm-hmm. and then o- offers them adventure. You're sitting there playing yeah. a computer game. Come here, do the real thing. Yeah, that's exactly You know, it. it's cool yeah. to run around on that computer game and kill lots of people. You come here, you can actually run around and kill lots of people and you will be a hero mm-hmm. and you will be tough and you will have power. Yeah. I and, think that has and, a lot and, and, to do with it. And young men are very, very vulnerable to uh, power. Um, Of course, the glorification of war and then the greater purpose. Mm -hmm. You have no purpose in your country. In your country, you are just being, um, you know, uh, you're on the outer. Everybody's against you. But if you come here, then you can fight for something that is worth fighting for. Uh, You know, this Islamic utopia that, um, of course, and, and this is the thing. These are young men who have grown up in Australia who have no idea what you know, Sharia law is actually like and what their parents left. Yeah. You know, so they're, this, is, this is one of the reasons why their parents are so bewildered because they're like, we left that.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: We were getting out of that. We wanted to stay away from that. That's why we left that country and came to this country. And now you want to go back there? And it's like, what on earth is going on? And so what they're finding is that it's not so much <coughs> uh, people who have left that country to, you know, left the Middle East to move to Australia. It's been people who have been born in Australia – who are that second generation and are looking for that sense of purpose and that, you know, um, and of course, you know, this is research that is worldwide. The second generation, it's the second generation of immigrants that um, that create the gangs and the violence and the organized crime and get into trouble because of their lack of actually. Feeling apart because it's like, am I from the Middle East or am I Aussie? Which one of the two am Mm -hmm. I? Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, their parents know exactly who they are. They're from the Middle East. Their children know exactly who they are. They're Aussie. Mm -hmm. But it's that second generation where they've grown up in a family where the family, at home they speak one language, at school they speak a different language, and they just don't feel like they fit in. They have no sense of identity, and because of that lack of a sense of identity, they, uh, they yeah they just. Uh, is the
1: government doing anything to combat this?
0: Well, they're researching it, and okay. uh, um, yes, they are doing things to combat it. Uh, most of what they're doing to combat it at the moment is punitive, but they're looking at other measures based on the research that there they needs are, to be. Yeah, research that they're doing to um, to bring an end to it for sure.
1: And that must be something that we as a community can do as well to include oh, them. Absolutely, in of, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. that's right. We all need to uh, get around these young men and give them the support they need. This is Simeon I Am Forgiven
2: Strange The path we choose I've tried but failed To walk in someone else's shoes Strange how I've tried to walk this road alone, not knowing the things I might find. on, but now the fears of living life for me are gone. I know that your love can save me from myself in ways I can't explain.
0: guys that was simeon i'm forgiven you're listening to faith fm and before we get into our interview of the day mon is going to give us another clue for our quiz
1: yes sir i shall am who am i the chief priests and pharisees requested that i make jesus's tomb secure for three days Mm, If you know who that is, give us a call straight away. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. You can win best of vegetarian month-by-month recipes from Sanitarium. Really great cookbook that I am... Pretty much thinking about stealing.
0: Yeah, mine's been just sitting here during the uh, during the last couple of sections, just sort of flicking through this particular cookbook. It's and, actually really um, funny.
1: One of our listeners texted me and she's like, Oh, can you send me a photograph of that plum sauce recipe? Like, that <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <just> That's cheating. <laughs> cheating. You've got to answer the quiz. No photos until you make it a, no photos of recipes unless you answer the quiz. It's too late. I I, uh, I sent her a picture of the recipe. <laughs> but there's a recipe uh, yeah. in here, it's uh it's they have a little back to school lunch idea section for food. February, the month of February, and they have Opera House Peter Pockets. How cute is that? It looks like a little Opera go. House sandwich. Anyway, anyway, anyway we need anyway. to get
0: on to our interview for today we because we've got lots to talk about. And uh, religious liberty has been a major issue in the news yes. um, over the last few days, and continues to do so. continues to be so, and it looks like it will continue for uh, a little while to come. Yet, I have on the phone um, Michael Worker, who is in charge of the religious liberty department of the Seventh Adventist Church um, in Australia. And uh, Michael, welcome to the show.
5: Yeah, thanks, Lyle and Mon. Great
0: to be with you again. Now, Michael, just as a bit of an introduction, I know we've 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 talked before, but just a bit of an introduction for our listeners. Um, you know, the Li- religious liberty department that the Adventist Church have has is uh, is is quite unique, really. Is there any other church that has an organisation similar to uh, this your your religious liberty department?
5: Look, I. <sighs> Certainly the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church's interest and involvement in religious liberty um, has, has one of the longest histories in the church. I'm, I'm not aware of any other denomination having such a structured, formal approach to it.
0: So how long has the Adventist Church been taking a uh, an active role in religious liberty?
5: Uh, the church, the foundations of it started almost at the, the inception of our church in the early 1850s. Uh, certainly issues around Sabbath observance were, were rife, uh, in North America. And so, uh, that, that was the beginnings of it. Another, um, real world present day issue of that era was, was black slavery and, and the slave trade. And so the, the early pioneers of the Adventist church were very much opposed to, to slavery and, uh, advocated very heavily for the, um, for the wiping out of slavery.
0: Mm, mm, yeah, fantastic. Now, what are the um, with the with the religious liberty department? What are the uh, what are the aims and purposes of uh, of your department today?
5: Religious liberty department uh, has a primary goal of assisting people, whether they are Seventh Day Adventists, whether they're of another faith, or whether they're of no faith at all. Um, to have the ability to to worship and live life freely without uh, interference by by government or or by social groups or whatever. so it's it's basically a live and let live strategy in many ways, Lyle.
0: Okay, so that was a question I was going to ask is, uh, you know, when we, when we talk about religious liberty and standing up for religious liberty, are we just standing up for, you know, the rights of Adventists or the rights for, of, of Christians? But what you're saying is for people of other faiths or of no faith, you know, would that include people like, uh, say, you know, um, people who are Muslims or occultists or, um, you know, things that we might find ourselves uh, opposed to?
5: Look, we, we have uh, represented and advocated on, on behalf of Muslim groups in, in different parts of the world, even in Australia. Uh, certainly, while we wouldn't condone or, or think everything's wise to do, we certainly do stand for that principle of freedom of expression of religion, freedom freedom of speech, freedom of association. And so uh, I guess in the broad sense, yes, we, we believe in everyone having the right um, to, to those, those uh, principles.
0: Now, religious liberty, you know, is a concept that really, I guess, became uh, very popular, I should say, maybe, as a result of, you know, the United States, obviously starting off as a, you know, Republican government, very much an experiment in its day and and making religious liberty an inalienable right. Uh, But it's something that is enforced by governments. How do we then deal with the issue of separation of church and state while we still lobby the government for, um, you know, change in relationship to religious liberty, you know, as far as, you know, legislation and so forth goes?
5: If I can just comment on the first part of your question, Lyle, you see, in America they do have that inalienable right. Um, Mm. We don't have anything like that in Australia. Um, The only reason religious liberty has existed, thrived, survived in Australia is is basically cultural, societal norms. And one of the real problems we're facing is that now that um, we are facing this hard secularist push to, to marginalise people of faith, to remove uh, religion from the public square, we're actually finding ourselves in a very unique space where we actually have nothing of any sort of legislative foundation or constitutional foundation to fall back on and say, we have these rights. And and I guess that's what's making the, the time in which we live so very challenging. You see, New Zealand has a Bill of Rights. Um, you know, America protects religious liberty, but Australia has never taken any formal actions to do so.
1: It makes me so nervous. And I've lost... It makes me so nervous to think yeah. that, that Australia doesn't have any religious liberty. I feel, like, I feel like the only thing that's keeping our country going in, in this department is, I mean, if you think about it, we're just relying on people's common sense. And I think what we're, what's really going on is that people just they just don't know. I think people just assume that we have something similar to America going on. And I feel like as soon as some people find out that we don't have religious liberty, like it's going to be just a bloodbath. And I'm, I'm just flabbergasted it's taking so long to get anything happening to protect people of religious beliefs in Australia.
5: Absolutely, and you know it's hard. It, it's hard work. Uh, I was listening to the executive director of Freedom for Faith uh, last week, Michael Callahan, uh, a wonderful Christian man himself, and uh, he was saying that if you have a certain anticipation of how rapidly the environment is changing in Australia at the moment, and how quickly Christian. Um, values and the expression of Christian values are being marginalised take whatever you think is going on and triple it because the rate of pace is faster than you can imagine at the moment, rate of change
0: and I think a good example of that is what was taking place in Canberra yesterday you know with the discussion over um, uh, legislation that uh, removes the right for faith based schools to um, expel a student based on their sexual preferences um, and, uh, yeah, I'd like to get your thoughts on that and also a bit of report on what happened yesterday. But just before we do, have any of our schools um, ever expelled a student for a particular sexual preference? Is this anything that's, you know, or, or even has any other faith-based school ever done this that we know of?
5: Certainly Adventist schools have never expelled anyone for that reason. Um, that I'm aware of, that's for sure. Uh, Look, I I couldn't speak for every Christian school. Um, They they come in every shape and size, but but certainly the Christian leaders and and Christian education leaders that I mix with, I I don't hear anyone wishing for that right. And and so it it seems to be a bit of a straw man designed to incite hatred, division, alienation of christian schools uh as adventist schools we we have an open enrollment policy and uh you know we 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 have um yeah students enrolled in our schools of every walk of life every faith background um those of no faith background and 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 we we welcome them all of course they they need to respect our values and our ethos and and you know the, the the general principles in student handbooks, any student would be expected to to abide by those um, those those guidelines.
0: Yeah, for sure, and that's part of you know uh, what a school is. A school mm. sets itself up, and you choose whether you go to that school or not go to that that, that school. And uh, you know, <laughs> capitalism is pretty much blind to all of these kinds of issues. I find, but um, okay. So we would then uh, would it be safe to assume that we would support? Um, removing this particular discrimination um, or the right to, for this particular discrimination uh, from legislation?
5: Look, that's not a problem. And, and I don't know of any Christian schooling group who has actually advocated otherwise. But the really disturbing thing about this legislation that's been proposed uh, in the last few days and almost got through, I mean, the, the speed with which it happened, we've just had a, a two week inquiry, which which was really just a wink at proper process. Well, probably wasn't even a wink. Mm. Then we, a uh, bills mooted on Thursday, introduced on Monday and almost voted up on Monday. And the really disturbing thing there is that that legislation, if passed, would have allowed um, scrutiny and, and um, prosecution to come against what is spoken about in the church pulpit on Sabbath or on Sunday, uh, what happened in Sabbath school classes, what happened in Bible study groups. Um, basically it was so far reaching, so wide reaching that it would have completely transformed, um, life as a Christian in Australia. Uh, the, 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 the title is unfortunately very narrow, uh, for the, for the breadth of the legislation they were seeking to pass.
0: Okay, so when you talk about, you know, imagine how fast-paced this is moving and then triple it and you'll be somewhere closer to reality, that's probably a pretty good snapshot of just how rapidly things are happening. I know that, you know, when I spoke to you about actually coming on this show to talk about um, what was taking place, I didn't expect so much to happen in just a couple of days. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, So, uh, so all right, so let's come back to that then. And look at what actually was being proposed, you know, and and this is the thing that worries me is that we have a situation where it's like, okay, we don't want to discriminate against children based on their sexual preference or, you know, anything like that. And, of course, nobody is. So then we bring in this legislation to get rid of this particular discrimination that everybody, you know, supports getting rid of that particular discrimination, but then tie into it legislation that is going to affect um, you know, even down to what passages of the Bible we are allowed to to read in a classroom or in a church setting, is that is that an accurate description of of, of what was being proposed?
5: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it, and 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 that's that's the um, unbelievable nature of it. That something so far-reaching and and so invasive could be rushed through on the back of an envelope. Um, w- without any, without any process, without any due diligence, yeah, quite alarming, really.
0: And what actually happened yesterday?
5: Well, at the, whilst I don't want to get into politics, in in some ways, the chaos of the government <laughs> helped us in that a, a, a last a last moment amendment kind of spooked everyone um, and, and no one knew how to deal with the amendment. It seems as though all of a sudden, oh, well, too hard. Let's push it off into the new year. Well, we're, we're assuming that it's pushed off into the new year. We, we don't expect that the government will come back to it in this, in this sitting week. Um, but, yeah, it just seems quite amazing what tends to get pushed through in this last sitting period of government for the year. It's almost as if they assume that people are not paying attention, not watching, and we'll just slip through a few controversial matters.
0: <laughs> it's remarkable, isn't it? And uh, I almost hear you saying that, you know, God is working through the chaos of the government here in mm, Australia. Absolutely. And uh, You know, you look at what takes place sometimes and you just do have to shake your head, but um, yes, indeed. Now, um, okay, so we may we, we have been given some breathing space on this particular issue. Um, that may extend until the new year. It may not, um, but um, it, it certainly means that you know this. You know, if we've been given some breathing space, what should we be doing in this breathing space? If I if I if I look back to nineteen oh one, when Australian you know when federation took place and the Australian Constitution was formed and you know Section one one six, which was originally supposed to give us religious liberty in this country. Um, You know the Seventh Day Adventist Church. The Religious Liberty Department of the Seventh Day Adventist Church played a major role in ensuring that was there. Um, Will will the Religious Liberty Department be? um, What what actions will we be taking? You know, from here on in. I understand that you know this came about so quickly that we didn't really have a chance to do anything. If we do have a chance to do something now, what will we do?
1: And we definitely need to do something because I think most Christians are listening to this, and and I think the thing we're not saying is we're all kind of worried about end time events and the the role that religious liberty is going to play in that so yeah we need to be doing something
5: sure um i think there's two things uh certainly we can let our pollies know uh, of our concerns and um you know there's a number of um groups around that are providing material with which to write to politicians about freedom for faith um if you Google them, they're, they're a wonderful organisation that, that do a great work. They're a a uh, legal Christian legal think tank that, that look at these matters. Um, there's another organisation called the Institute for Civil Society. Um, the director there, Mark Snedden, is uh, he, also a wonderful Christian man. Uh, both both the um, director of Freedom for Faith and the director of Institute for Civil Society are Christian lawyers. Who who work deeply in this space and and they they put out some thought leading stuff. There's also uh, a blog by um, Professor Neil Foster from University of Newcastle, uh, another fine Christian man, and and they put out really good material that is worth reading, and and uh, you know following their links, they, they have some. Um, some good ways to communicate with politicians. I I think it's also a matter of prayer. Um, I believe it was nothing but the Holy Spirit uh, holding back the winds of strife yesterday um, that that caused this last-minute collapse um, of what seemed like an incredibly rapid movement within our society. And and I'm really thankful to God that we've been given that breather uh, to regroup and, and to see how you know, he wants to lead his church and, and what opportunities he wants for us to be able to share Jesus while while we can freely do so. Um, so what are we doing as a church? Uh, certainly I've had opportunity to um, interact with various politicians um, as part of groups and, um, yeah, uh, aligning ourselves with, with other committed Christian groups who, who are advocating for the same thing so that government can understand. There's actually a large number of people who are deeply disturbed by what has taken place. Um, I guess a couple of things. We, we shouldn't lose sight of the 39% of people who said no to same-sex marriage. Most of these people are, are also concerned about religious freedom, possibly even more. Some people who voted yes thinking, well, it's not going to have any other consequences on me... Uh, are waking up to that. Um, so that's what politicians are forgetting. There was also a a, um, a poll conducted by the Australian newspaper about a week ago that suggested that as much as 60% of voters, whether they be Green, Labor, Coalition or, or any other sort of voter, believed that there was actually a need for stronger religious freedom protections in Australia. Now, that's quite substantial when you think about it even 60 percent of greens voters and labor voters you know the, the groups that are pushing this stuff through at a relentless pace and are saying no no we should provide stronger protections for religion in australia so the pollies are not listening to the people so so as people we've got to let the pollies know what we think
0: sure absolutely now um the Ruddock report that was uh, produced, what, seven months ago, something like that? Um, any yep. any news on when that might be released? The, the, of course, the Ruddock Report, maybe you could just comment quickly on what that is.
5: Yeah, look, I think from what we've seen of the Ruddock Report, and we've obviously not seen the commentary or the context, we, we've only seen allegedly the recommendations, but but they're really hard to, to fully comprehend without seeing the, the completeness of the report if you were to give the Ruddock view a score, you'd probably give it a five and a half or six out of ten. I think it goes a reasonable way um, toward providing positive protection for freedom of speech and freedom of religion in Australia, but it certainly doesn't go far enough. Um, and but but if we at, at this stage, if we could get this this much through, um, we, we'd be we'd be really grateful for that. Um, but it, it's a platform. It's a beginning.
0: Sure. Yeah, and uh, we certainly need something and um, to, to give us some some opportunity. Now, of course, next year, you know, we're facing um, possible change of government um, and so forth. Do you perceive that there will be a difference with a different government or not? As far as the approach to uh, religious liberty.
5: I, I um, look, who knows the future and um, things can change very quickly in politics. You know, a few months ago, you would have expected a change of government in Victoria. Um, now the opposition has remained the opposition and almost been wiped out. So you, you just can't see around the corner as to what's happening. But uh, I think it's fair to say without delving too much into partisan politics that, that there's some anxiety about a change of government and um, certainly they've made it clear um, that that they don't see the issues that we as Christians see. And uh, so we've got to do more to work with the opposition um, to help them to understand the issues that Christians see and I think that's the work that really needs to be done now is, is to help the key figures within the Labor Party understand the grave and real concerns of Christians.
0: Mm. Michael, it's been fantastic having you on the show today. Unfortunately, we have run way out of time. So many more important <laughs> issues that we could talk about, and uh, I'm sure we will have you back over the next few weeks as uh, as this story progresses. But thank you for joining us today.
5: A pleasure. Have a great day. God bless.
0: That was uh, Michael awake, Worker from...
5: Awake,
1: awake, oh captive daughter, put on your garments of splendor, free yourself from the chains around your neck, shake off your dust, clothe yourself in strength. Arise, arise, O oh glorious sun, and walk. No more in the shadow The Lord, your maker Has called you by name Lift up your head Clothe yourself in strength Forgiveness It's easier said than done but there's a program called Forgive to Live designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.